Good morning, and welcome to Coastal Conversations here on WERU. We explore issues facing Maine's coastal communities through dialogue with people who live, work, and play on our coast. From fisheries to tourism, from energy to environment, from economy to ecology, we go beyond the social media sound bites, probing deeply into complex issues and solutions. Coastal Conversations is produced with help from the University of Maine Sea Grant program, whose mission is to support Maine's coastal communities through research, outreach, and education. In partnership with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the University of Maine, Maine Sea Grant brings marine science to Maine people. We're about to engage in the heart and soul of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our coast and our communities. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour of Coastal Conversations. Today, our show is about the North Haven Community School and its magnet program. For islands on the coast of Maine, schools are the lifeblood of the community, but declining enrollment can pose a threat to the school's vitality. To stem the tide, the K-12 North Haven Community School recently started welcoming students from the mainland to attend their island-based school. The tuition-based program imposes zero taxes on residents, but offers magnet students the same quality education any other North Haven kid receives. Before we go any farther, I should say that this is a pre-recorded show, so we won't be taking any calls today. On my visit to the North Haven Community School a couple months ago, I talked with a senior who was learning scallop farming methods, a group of kids redesigning knife sheaths to improve commercial fishing safety, and a bunch of elementary kids involved in a live art project emulating whale sounds in the gymnasium. Whales, as it turns out, would be a theme for my day because whales are a central part of the entire K-12 curriculum this year as the school takes advantage of a multidisciplinary learning opportunity presented by a dead minke whale that washed ashore last year. On our show today, we'll hear first from the teachers who are crafting North Haven's innovative school curriculum, then we'll talk with a current magnet student about what life is like on the island for an off-island teenager. And then, because the North Haven Community School magnet students are completely integrated into the curriculum of all the students, we'll hear from a variety of other folks too, including the senior who is serious about scallops, and another senior who, though he never thought he'd care about whales, is now immersed in rebuilding a whale skeleton from the washed-up carcass. At the end of the show, and continuing on the interdisciplinary whale theme, we'll turn to theater as our students join renowned playwright Michael Gorman, the producer of Chasing the New White Whale, Harpooning Addiction, in a reading of the play. You may have heard of Gorman's production when it appeared at several Maine and New York venues last summer. The play tackles challenging issues related to opioid addiction among fishing families through the lens of Ahab chasing his own white whale. Yes, that Ahab from Melville's Moby Dick. The opioid crisis touches most Maine communities, and for students focused on whales this year, the symbolism of Moby Dick is a pretty powerful way to open conversations about addiction. So let's get started with hearing from three teachers at the North Haven Community School who will give us a rundown of how the school works, the magnet program, and what drives their passion for this island-based approach to public education. 
We're going to hear first from Courtney Naliboff, a K-12 music, theater, English, and writing teacher, Lisa White, a high school science and math teacher, and Amy Peterson, who teaches high school humanities. Again, the show was pre-recorded, so we won't be taking any calls today. So tell me about the North Haven Community School. We are Maine's smallest K-12 public school. We're on North Haven Island, and we have one of three remaining unbridged high schools in the state. So we're K-12, and only us, Final Haven, and Islesboro still have high schools on unbridged islands. Um, We have always offered, or at least since I've been here, this is my 14th year teaching and, and before my time, tried to offer authentic, hands-on learning um, to support some high-quality academics. So students have engaged in boat building in various capacities and have reassembled sea mammal skeletons at several, I think, four or five different opportunities over the last 20 years or so. Um, We have interacted with agriculturists on the island, and especially lately, since there's more of an organic farm resurgence on the island, so we and we offer more of a traditional course load too. Um, how many students do you have in the school? We're at about fifty-five K twelve, I think, this year. So. Something like that. And what makes teaching on an island school different than teaching on the mainland? Oh, <laughs> what's not? different. We all wear a lot of hats. I mean, so we have our, our stated classroom duties, but then we all will share share or take on or trade around leadership positions. Um, we're all working on supporting some programming changes for next year and or helping to recruit students to our residential program. So duties that might be covered by other people in another school, we we tend to take on. Um, I direct the theater program, so that's the after-school theater program. That's a community theater program and a school theater program, so it looks different than a lot of school theater programs. Um, You know, we have right now a pretty small high school, and small can be really one of our strengths, but they're small and then they're small. So right now we're looking at we have 10 high school students on campus, whereas in the past we might have had 20, um, and that changes the, the dynamic, but also gives us really good opportunities to really get to know the students as people and as learners. Also the weather is a big impact because um, the ferry is on the whims of the waves and the wind, so um, planning field trips is exciting. It's great to get the kids off island and um, going to see um, meet with professionals and other students and everybody on the mainland. But for example, in the Eastern Maine Skippers program class I teach, um, we have had two field trips canceled, and so they've missed those opportunities to go to those cohort days and interact with the other 100 students with the other eight schools. Um, so you just have to be flexible and always have a backup plan. Can you explain what the Eastern Maine Skippers program is? Sure. The Eastern Maine Skippers program is a um, program that's facilitated through two nonprofits, Maine, Coastal, Maine Center for Coastal Fisheries and Rural Aspirations Project. Uh, and they um, run this program for any mid-coast, down-east Maine schools. I think they have eight or nine high schools involved this year, um, so it's the largest year yet. And every year, they, teachers who are involved at those high schools and um, those two organizations come together and come up with a question. That's sort of their overall um, uh, guiding question for the year. 
This year's theme is how does technology influence? And then there are four buckets um, and students could focus on how does it influence um, fisheries data and management? How does it influence day-to-day fishing? How does it influence the safety? Um, And how does it influence navigation? And so the students um, can either work together as a team or they can work independently. And um, this year for North Haven, we're doing a group project um, and students chose um, knife sheaths, like the wearable knife holders, um, and looking at how could they make that more comfortable. And so we have a 3D printer here at school and the students have gone out and done a bunch of uh, preliminary survey work and then they made a prototype on the 3D printer uh, and now they're going back out for feedback and they'll do a redesign after that. Um, so it's a really fun um, collaborative, like full year independent research project um, style class. And then Skippers also offers um, an in the office component of curriculum. So it gets the students practicing their financial skills they would need to run a business. Um, they also have an at the table component and encourages students to participate in the fisheries policy work um, that would be a part of their. Um, job if they go on to be fishing um, after school, and it's really it really is guided or geared towards those students who aim to be full time fishermen after they graduate. Um, Courtney, you said that enrollment in the high school has been down. Um, talk about that a little bit. Why is that happening, and what's the impact that has on you guys? Well, there's a number of factors that are contributing to it. <clears throat> Some of the classes have just been historically small, so we've had we have two tenth graders, and we had two. When they were in kindergarten, there were also two of them. Um, so part of the small class sizes, we did have a larger incoming freshman class, and then a number of those students actually moved to the mainland for various family-related reasons. And we also have had some students whose families have opted to send them to the Vinyl Haven School, with whom we have a superintendent's agreement. <clears throat> so in the past, we've taken students from Vinyl Haven. Vinyl Haven's taken students from North Haven. It happens that at this time, we don't have the exchange going the other way right now. <clears throat> so those are some of the contributing factors, and we saw it coming down the pike a few years ago, and a couple of school board members, one current and one former school board member, became very motivated to start a residential magnet program, which was something we talked about on and off, but we didn't know where to put the kids Physically, the first time this sort of came up, it was a great idea. There was a brochure, and then it was like, well, if we get any interest, we'll figure that out. So this time around, it was a little more proactive, and we were able to secure a rental house downtown, which is incredible. Um, And that's sort of our dorm-ish facility, and there's a full-time house parent who lives there who's um, paid for through the program. So the program is funded not through tax dollars right now, it's through tuition and donations. So there's a full-time staff person who lives there. So we feel like the program is pretty strong and we've had great feedback about the academic environment for students because we're looking for students who feel like they want more control over their education and who want more opportunities for hands-on education and are excited to be a major contributor to their high school. So we want kids who want to play varsity basketball and who want to row and who want to do skippers and who want to tell us that they want to build a boat or work on the whale or any of the really cool things that we can offer here while getting a lot of attention from teaching staff and really being excited to craft their educational experiences. Um, Kids want more peers and they want bigger class sizes and they want to have viable varsity basketball teams. That's a huge priority out here. 
Um, and so, yeah, so we're seeking some, some magnet applicants. Can you explain what magnet means in the school setting? So we're a public school. We're not a charter school. <clears throat> and a magnet student could come to us one of several ways. There are several sending districts in Maine, so districts that don't have a high school. For example, St. George. They don't have a high school, and so their district essentially tuitions out all of their outgoing eighth graders to various area high schools. So a district like that, it's a, actually a pretty simple move for them to just choose us, to send one of the students to choose us to attend rather than, say, Rockland or Camden or one of the other schools that St. George students might typically go to. Um, Blue Hill Consolidated District is another example of a district that has those sending privileges because they don't have an affiliated high school. There is a high school that students might typically go to, but it's outside of their district. Um, we can also, we could accept a student really from anywhere as long as they had the ability to travel back home most weekends, I would say, or to make an arrangement with an on-island family. Um, to stay some weekends, which is a choice that one of our magnet students has taken advantage of quite a bit because she has participated in varsity sports and theater productions and things like that where you do actually need to be here some weekends. Um, so magnet students participate in our, in our school and all of the things that our school can offer, um, whether the tuition is paid by their family or their district. And so the, the goal for your school is to encourage students from off-island to come mm -hmm. to school here, yep. grow the enrollment, yep. which is for the kids who are here and for the students who are coming in. That's exactly right. How has it been going? How's the integration between the resident students and the magnet students and what kind of friendships are growing, that sort of thing? I think that the more the students who have chosen to participate um, more in sports and theater and other extracurricular activities have been the most successful. Um, and I think that that, you know, in a, in a classroom setting, there are lots of opportunities for students to interact, but that's where some of the real connection takes place. And so the student that we have this year has made a lot of really great choices along those lines and is very, has very close friendships with several of our students um, and, and is a, just a wonderful part of our high school. And especially the second year, too, like that continuity has been so important for, for us and for her as far as she's a member of the student council and she, you know, has really taken some ownership over her programming and, and what her schooling looks like. And even though it's a Monday through Friday program, um, sometimes the student will be staying for sleepovers at a friend's uh, on island and making that choice to make it a seven-day um, stay away from her family, which is like another good sign of um, like students embracing and 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 just um, indulging in the peer group that that they have on the island, and um, that's I think another big success is um, you know these students are torn between their peers from their hometown and then their peers they have on the island. Um, so it's good to see when you have those blends of those uh, outside of the school week um, outings and those connections being made. I think it's important to note also that aside from our magnet program, another way that we are bringing students here to um, create a little bit more of a vibrant learning environment and more, more vibrancy between peers is that um, we, in the last two years as well, have welcomed six exchange students through um, CIEE based in Portland. 
Um, we, What's CIEE? Center for International Educational Exchange. So um, welcoming international students from Asia and from Europe. They could be coming from anywhere. Those are just where our students that have come here have come from. And they live with families. Actually, we have one right now, a student who's coming from Thailand that lives at the Magnet House. So that's kind of an interesting blend. And the feedback that we've gotten from students and staff uh, and across the board is that, that it's been a great experience to, for our students to have international students in the classroom um, in terms of discussion, uh, you know, different perspectives, whatever we're talking about, right? Um, it's been great, and it's a pretty unique and authentic experience for the international students as well. There are some challenges that that um, have arisen, but generally speaking, I think it's been fantastic, and we are looking to have more of that as well. So, hoping for two international students next year and going forward. The student we have this year has also, um, as Courtney was mentioning, really taken it upon herself to go above and beyond and get involved in extracurriculars and um, and seek out um, those sort of outside of the classroom. Um, times and she just participated in the Maine State Science Fair that the Maine Math and Science Alliance puts on every year. Uh, so she got to go down to Bowdoin and present at a poster session and see all the other high school students' projects. And um, she's currently on a travel trip through CIE, so she's meeting other students who are also exchange students in that larger um, national program. As we were saying a minute ago, the experience of being in an island school is pretty unique. And so today, you guys have something pretty unique going on here. Um, Tell me about what's happening here today. Who are your guests? So we have Michael Gorman um, from the 40 Hour Club Theater Company. And he's here with his costumer and his producer and a photographer. And I don't know their last names, but it's Donna and Sarah and Aaron. (laughs) And they have last names. Um, And he's here presenting his theater production, um, Chasing the New White Whale, Harpooning Addiction. So that's a piece that he's created in New York and then performed in Portland and in Rockland. And I was excited to bring him out because of the minke whale that we have that we've been working on. So it just seemed like another way that we could incorporate the whale into our curriculum. Um, And because islands are very concerned and all working waterfronts are very concerned with the opiate addiction crisis and you know thus far and I should knock wood it's not as prevalent on North Haven maybe as in some other communities but it's it's knocking at the door I mean it's right it's right there and everybody knows somebody who's affected by it and so to have an artist come in, a teaching artist, and to work on this, he calls it an arts advocacy model, I think has the potential to reach kids and community members on a number of different levels. Um, and when I say that the whale has been in our curriculum, I really mean, and I'm like a whale groupie, I'm like whale adjacent, but I'm very enthusiastic about the whale, um, <laughs> starting from when we dug it, it was buried in the town pit for over a year, and then a bunch of people got together to dig it up, including my then 
three-year-old daughter who is also now a whale groupie. So, and presumably was it buried to so that microbes would eat up all the yeah. flesh to kind of clean up the bones? Yeah, yeah. So we got to do this excavation, and then there have been all these ways that the community can be involved. But also in the humanities classes this fall, um, every student grades nine through twelve read um, in the heart of the sea the tragedy of the whale ship Essex, one of the most wonderful books to teach and read with kids who fish. Um, and they created sort of museum style exhibits that showed some connection to that learning. So one of them modeled a triworks and one of them set up a candle making station and talked about women on whale ships and different whale based technologies over the years and things like that. Um, with this, so we had a community piece then. There have been some afternoons where we could all get together with Dan and Danto um, from Allied Whale and learn how to chisel the marrow from a vertebrate, like just things that you don't get to do day to day, like cool stuff. Um, and Dan Danto does the whale articulation with Allied Whale, right? Yeah. Lisa knows he's more. A, yeah, so he's a, um, a research scientist at College of the Atlantic. He's the curator of the photo ID catalog. Um, for Allied Whale, um, and then he also runs his own side business called Whales and Nails. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he is a professional articulation guy too. And articulation is uh, skeletal rearticulation um, is uh, putting back the the bones or um, of an animal, or in this case, our whale. So it'll be like a museum quality display um, that's more or less anatomically correct. Um, using the bones that we saved from the stranded animal. And it's a very interdisciplinary and community um, friendly situation here <laughs> between the whale and the school in general. I was going to say, the whale has almost become a community member. It's been at different places <laughs> on North Haven for the past couple of years. I remember it spent some, some time at the Turner Farm over the summer and walking down with, with my one-year-old to the beach at the farm we would stop in the whale is in a hoop house at the at the farm and we would get to go see the whale and learn what there is to learn just on a walk so yeah it's been pretty and there's a pretty dynamic piece of the last year and a half there's a timber frame that's being carved too in our um, projects building which is through our cte instructor um, who and so they're going to carve a timber frame that the whale will then be displayed in with interpretive signs that Lisa's students have made. So it'll be this public art piece that will exist on the school grounds. Um, it's very exciting. I'm I'm grinning. I hope you can hear how excited I am about all of this. <laughs> and the students are leading all the project management piece of it. Last year in uh, the elective class, they wrote two grants, or they wrote three grants, and two of them got funded. The project has been. And fully funded outside the normal school budget, um, which was fantastic. Um, and then they are, I mean, they're also working towards science credit in that class. Um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're really like the lead on these community days and making those connections with all the experts and um, helping me with the supply orders and getting all the next steps figured out. Um, it's similar to a skipper style where they, they take ownership of that project and they have to... Um, learn all these skills that they're going to be using later on about how to network and how to um, back plan and um, anything that, you know, it takes to run a project from beginning to end. 
If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Coastal Conversations on WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org. This is your host, Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and we just heard from three of the teachers at North Haven Community School, where they've started a magnet program to help grow the school enrollment and offer unique island-based learning experiences for off-island kids. Here is 10th grader Irene Prescott telling the story of how she became a magnet student at North Haven Community School. My name is Irene Prescott. I am in 10th grade. I am from Bremen, Maine. And uh, here we are on North Haven, and you're from Bremen. Mm-hmm. How did you end up here at the North Haven Community School? Well, my friend, my mom's friend, who was reading a newspaper, saw the advertisement in the newspaper and gave it to us because we were looking for a high school for me to go to for my four years. And I liked the small community, small school feel that, I guess. Did you look at other schools too? Uh, Yes, I looked at some other schools in Blue Hill and Damascot. Those are the two major schools I looked at. And what made you settle on coming to North Haven? It was small. I really like small schools. I really like the big, like, schools with a thousand people. I've been to the schools like that my whole life, so I wanted to change. And it was on the island. I'm used to living on the island because we, I lived on an island a couple years ago when I was seven, and stuff. So. Did you live on an island in Maine? Yes, Shebeg Island down in Casco Bay. Great, great. So you like island living? Yes, I do, yeah. (laughs) Um, So it sounds like you've been to bigger, more traditional Mm -hmm. public schools. Yes, my parents worked overseas, and so we went to the international schools, which were pretty big. (laughs) In what countries? In Libya, Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, uh, a couple other places I forgot. <laughs> yeah, you've kind of been around the world a little bit. Yeah, I have. <laughs> How does it compare being here on North Haven? It's a different feel, just like being in Maine in general because of the like climate and stuff. It's a lot colder and also like being on an island, it's smaller. You get to know everyone better and small school, everyone kind of knows you. <laughs> and I just, I like that. Like, what are things that are surprising to you about living here on an island on the coast of Maine? Well, it, uh, it's safe. <laughs> I've been to, like, Middle East is kind of up and up and down with stuff. So, like, it's safe. I feel safe. It's Everyone's friendly, and it's just easy to get along with people. And I like, I like that, like, no trouble, no anything, so... That's like that's what's different and stuff, and even like I know my whole high school like it's easy to make friends and stuff, other than <laughs> living in bigger countries and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> how does how, how does it work um, in terms of your commute? I drive like forty minutes to the ferry, and then I take the ferry over for an hour and ten minutes, and I don't know. Patty drives me here, and then um, we drive to the school. So, And how often like, do you do the commute? I do that 
Sunday nights, I usually come back, and then Friday afternoons, I go back home for the weekend. So I stay here during Monday through Friday, and then go home on the weekends, usually. And we are right now in, I think, what is called the Magnet House? Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So describe what happens in this house. We just hang out. It's a... We can just wander around, I guess, every... Things like open to our use. Like we have a TV, we can cook. Uh, like we just hang out, play games. Sometimes, sometimes we'll have these gatherings. Like the high school students would all gather and stuff, and we'll play games or have a fire outside. We've done that a couple times. What's it like living on North Haven? It's fun. Like I can go for for walks and stuff. It's like there's a lot. Like I can help. And stuff like we do community service, so that's what kind like of community a, service. Do you do? I helped with the play, um, the fall play this year, and I I just like if someone needs help raking their lawn or random chores like that, you can help, and that will count as community service. Is that a requirement for school? Yes. Okay. Uh, each year for high school students, you have to have ten hours of community service or more <laughs> what have you done so far that you've loved at the school mm-hmm. working with the minky whale and stuff which is a really cool project no other school I've been to works with a whale and puts it back together and like, that's probably like the coolest thing I've done <laughs> and like there's just this school so unique because we do this all these activities that you wouldn't usually do in a like bigger school. For example, we go on field trips to these cool places. We do we get to do more stuff that other schools wouldn't be able to do because it's such a like with more kids, it kind of gets more complicated. But with us, we only have like eleven kids. It leaves it gives us options to do more fun stuff. And like take trips to a, like we take a service trip, which, like no other school would do. Like I've been to other schools and we don't do that. And then also like a fall field study, that's something only a few schools do with like a small number of students and stuff because it's easier. And uh, I, those are like the, some things that really popped out and stuff that. I wouldn't have seen another school, which makes me enjoy this school because I could do more new things. So. What's the fall field study? Uh, a fall, the fall field study is where we, it depends for like a week or two week long, we just take a trip somewhere outdoors. For example, we went to Hurricane Island last year and then we went to Chewankee this year. And you just get to bond with your high school like peers, and it's a way for you to know, get to know each other, and communicate and talk about what's going to happen that, that this year. Um, and how has it been for you, as an off-island kid, to integrate into a community that most of them have probably been together for a bunch of years? It is, like, it is, like, different and stuff, and, like, I think me, like, I've grew up on an island, sort of, so I know, like, 
okay, this like what the deal is. So I guess that helps me because like, of your experience on Shabbat. Yeah, and I like I know how things run and stuff like. And just I guess it's easier for me because I know what to do, like how to communicate with others and like make friends and stuff, including like they've all known each other for like years and probably their whole lives because it's. <laughs> it sounds like you are a pretty independent person yeah, yeah. for a sophomore right so mm-hmm. you're comfortable living separate from your family you've lived in a bunch of different places so yeah. do you think it, it it helps that you're sort of independently kind yeah. of oriented already mm-hmm. yes it does yeah like I live moderately close to like Rockland and stuff so like it's an easy commute like for families that want to come here from like further States and stuff like it's a little bit harder, but like they make sure you can go home on the weekends. You can always leave early if you like want to go home, and or you could just stay here during the weekends. And stuff. they kind of like, like, kind of like make a schedule like around you, like make sure you're comfortable and make sure you're all right with the situations. What do you think that you want to do after school? I have a couple ideas. Like, I definitely want to go to college and stuff. Like, I don't know if I'm going to take a year off or work, but I'm definitely going to go to college. I think next year is when I'll start narrowing down my options of what I want to do after and stuff. Like, marine biology is what I'm looking into right now and stuff. Like, or being a lawyer and stuff, like law stuff, so... So for kids who might be considering coming here as magnet students and joining mm-hmm. you, yeah. um, what what would you say to them? Just act yourself. Like it's fun. It's like they. It's always good to have like more people coming to an, to like an island, especially for school. Just make sure you're comfortable with like being away from your family and like. It's pre- It's nice here. Like they're all friendly and stuff. You're safe, and just enjoy it. It's a fun program. Like that was Irene Prescott, a tenth grade student from Bremen, Maine, on the state's mainland, who is attending school on the island of North Haven as a magnet student. Having lived in multiple different countries in her short years, Irene knew she was looking for something that the North Haven school could offer small classes, a safe environment, and a chance to connect with her teachers and peers more deeply. Our next student, Peyton Cooper, grew up on North Haven and has been a resident student as long as he has been in school. Peyton explains how he has made the most of his island education, especially lately as he has taken a deep dive into learning about scallop aquaculture. The advantage of a school like North Haven's is that students that are driven by a particular interest, like Peyton, are able to be supported in their efforts to pursue that passion. My name is Peyton Cooper. I'm a senior. How long have you been fishing? Long as I can remember, since I was small enough to fit inside of a lobster trap. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you want to try... Um, Scallop farming. I like being out on the water, like work with my hands, but I don't see lobster being feasible in the next 30 to 50 years. I want something for everybody else to have to do on the water. 
and my mom grows kelp and I wanted to get into an agriculture of some type but I didn't want to grow kelp so I thought why not scallops I've never been scalloping until a couple months ago and I figured why not see if I can grow some I've been talking to people about it and the, how they do it and have been doing it and just trying to figure it out uh, a whole lot on like where to do it and the methods to use. And do you already have some seed in the water? I do not. I'm still filling out the LPA. And LPA is like, you're leasing water. So you get it from the state and it's a whole bunch of paperwork <clears throat> that you have to fill out. And there's rules in it, like there can't be an eagle's nest within 620 feet of where you're growing. And if there's anybody living on the shore near that, then you have to notify them that you're going to grow something out there. And if they don't want you to grow it out there, then they can just shut you down. You can't grow there. How is the process with the paperwork? Slow. I'm still first five pages, I think. What's your hope? Like, when do you want to, when do you hope to get some gear in the water? And Hopefully this summer when I start putting traps over, I'll be putting some scallop seed out there too. Um, so talk a little bit about how you're going to grow scallops. Like technically, what are you going to do? Well, there's a guy in Stonington named Marsden Brewer, and he's been doing it for a long time. And he has said that he would give me some scallops that are a year old. And I'm sure he has some seed that he would give me too. It already in spat bags, ready to go, that he would just give me because he wants other people to get into it and start growing scallops and start agriculture and make it into this big business. So that's where I'm planning on getting my stuff from. A spat bag is about four or five gallons and it's just this very small mesh bag that the baby scallops go into. And then once they're big enough, they go into the lantern net, which is like you can get them at different sizes with different size mesh and they're about they can be up 17 feet but the ones that I'm getting are 7 feet and they have a it's like a big cylindrical net that has a bunch of different layers in it that the scallops go into how long does it take for a scallop like if you put some scallops in this summer how long will it take until you can either eat them or sell them um it'll be about a year before you can actually eat one. It'll be a small meat, but you can still eat it. Uh, there's a license you can get to sell them at a year old. That's what Marsden does in Stonington. He sells, I think, 50 to 65,000 of them at a year old. And that's what I would like to do. You, you quicker, like, yeah, yeah, quicker turnaround. So ultimately, would you like to farm scallops to sell them? Yes. As a business? Yep. And what, have you, what are you learning about um, where is a good place to put your farms? Uh, you want a place with lots of, not too much current, but enough to where there's lots of things floating through that they can eat. Uh, deeper spots between 30 and 70 feet. And where there's no gear, like nobody lobster and they're very minimal. How, how did you get to scallops? Like, why scallops instead of, say, clams in the intertidal zone or oysters? or Why scallops? Um, 
I don't really know. Just ever since one came up in a trap, my grandfather ate it right, right then and there. I've just been wanting to grow them. That's awesome. What uh, What do you want to be doing in five years? Growing scallops and lobster fishing. That was Peyton Cooper, a senior at North Haven Community School, talking about scallop aquaculture, a project that he's gotten involved in as a high school student at the school. You're listening to Coastal Conversations on WERU Community Radio 89.9 FM and streaming online at WERU.org. This is your host, Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, and our show today is about the magnet program at the North Haven Community School, which was started to provide off-island kids the chance to come to North Haven and participate in unique academic experiences, like Peyton, and like our next student, Josiah Hansen. Just a note that this show was pre-recorded, so we're not taking any calls today. But here is Josiah, a senior at North Haven Community School, who will bring us back around to the story of the stranded minke whale that became the central focus of so much of the curriculum in the past year. Uh, I'm Josiah Hansen, and I'm a senior. Walk me through the whale story from the beginning. All right. Whale washed up. So, yeah, the very beginning is a couple years ago, a whale washed up on uh, Tartank Beach, I believe. And um, when this happens, there's a couple, like, standard things that need to happen. And uh, uh, Allied Whale was called. They're an extension of College of the Atlantic, and they do a lot of stuff with marine mammals around the state. And so Allied Whale was called in, and they did a necropsy, um, which basically just is examining the uh, body of the washed-up whale and seeing what was wrong and stuff. And basically, it was just a, a sick whale. It had, it wasn't healthy, and um, that's what caused it to wash up. And and uh, it was it was dead a long time before it actually got to the beach. Um, and there were reports of it floating around the general area um, before it washed up. And so once it got onto the beach, it was pretty far gone. Um, a lot of the flesh was rotting off and stuff. Um, but after it got buried, it, it sat underground for about a year. Um, uh, and, and why did they do that? Just to, to get any residual, like grease and stuff off of it and like just natural the the natural effect of being underground is a lot to clean up the bones um but in the high school the next year after that a class was started the focus is articulating the skeleton and putting it together and making it a permanent display at North Haven Community School um, the first section of the class was a lot of grant writing and money-making stuff. Um, and then we actually went and dug up the bones. Um, what did you need the funding for? Um, the funding is for the building of a permanent structure that will protect the whale from the elements. We're going to have a tim- we're going to build a timber frame uh, with a roof on it to keep the articulated skeleton safe when it is completed. So you um, raised some funds, and then you unburied the whale. Yes. Uh, so we had a party, basically, of people, and we just all went and dug up all the bones, and then we brought them to the school, 
and some of them were still pretty messy and smelled pretty bad and stuff and had chunks of decomposed whale on them. Uh, so we pressure washed them and did a lot to like clean them up a lot at that stage. And then we uh, laid them out in a greenhouse on, in Turner Farm, which is a farm on the island, so they could get some sun bleaching over the summer. Um, and that's where they sat for the entire summer um, until this fall when the class started up again and we've we moved them back to the school and uh, we've been working on some of the minor articulation stuff this year such as the flippers and preparing the uh, rest of the skeleton for articulation a lot of drilling holes and stuff and how do you know how to put them back together um we know how to put them back together because uh, the process was pretty well documented of um, taking the f- defleshing the bones and that initially when it was on the beach, and also uh, the process of burying the bones was well documented too. So we knew where all of the pieces were under the sand before we dug them up. Um, you obviously know a lot about this whole project, so you've been really involved for a while, right? Yes. What? made you excited about this project? I think it was mainly the opportunity to do something so outside of the box in a public school setting. Uh, That's what spoke to me about it initially, and then since then I've definitely grown a bit of a fascination for marine mammals and anatomy and all the topics that this class covers. Tell me about what has been going on this morning with the theater folks. <laughs> so uh, every once in a while, um, we have a artist residency out here. That's a thing that we have in the budget um, as a uh, offering for the school. Uh, right now, the visiting artist is Michael Gorman, who is a playwright, and so he's been talking about his work and. Tonight we're going to be doing a thing at the theater um, that is based on his work that he does. The play that we're acting a scene from is a play about uh, opiate addiction in working communities, um, and it also integrates various components of the story Moby Dick. The play that Josiah Hansen was just referring to was written by renowned playwright Michael Gorman of the 40 Hour Club in New York City, who was visiting the North Haven Community School on the same day that I was there. The Visiting Artist Program is yet another way that the North Haven teachers have integrated themes related to whales into their curriculum this year, from science to grant writing to museum exhibit development and now to the arts. Here is Courtney Nalaboff again, the music and art teacher. He brought a scene from his production that's been staged at La Mama, and it was staged in the Portland Commercial Waterfront. He said there was a production at um, the CMCA in Rockland, the Center for Maine Contemporary Art. Um, Students and and community members will have an opportunity to be part of that reading this evening, and he's going to present information about... his um, the larger production that he's been putting on. And that's funded through... um, Waterman's Community Center. It used to be called North Haven Arts and Enrichment, and they provide 
a substantial grant to the school every year that helped, used to help fund um, staff positions, although a lot of those have been actually now included in the school budget, which is great. But they fund visiting artists and our theatrical productions. So through them, we have had experiences like um, Bennett Kinesny came out this fall in connection with The Whale, and he sang work songs with the students. We actually got the high school out in our rowing gig, Recovery, um, which is students built 25 or 30 years ago, um, and that's our competitive rowing gig, and students went out and rowed and sang with him these traditional rowing and whaling songs, and he worked with other students, K-8, um, out in our projects building. Um, our our um, CTE teacher helped rig a block and tackle so the kids could practice hauling and singing, and it was just phenomenal. So we have access to that kind of funding to fund visiting artists to do these really incredible um, workshops with us or residencies with us and um, we try to balance them between visual and performing arts and we have had uh, we had a dancer come out last spring and do three days of rehearsals and then put on this incredible dance piece with dancers from kindergarten through 12th grade um, some of whom had never taken a dance class before it was just unbelievably gorgeous and um, we know that being out here sometimes means that you can't just go down the street and go to a museum. You can't just go down the street and go to a concert. So we try to really consciously bring things out here um, with the support of Waterman's, both the building and the organization. To close out our show today, I wanted to share a two-minute recording of the North Haven High Schoolers working with visiting artist Michael Gorman on a first read-through of a scene from his play, Chasing the New White Whale, Harpooning Addiction. Gorman has roots on Maine Islands and also in New York City, and some WERU listeners may have seen this play last year when he brought it to Maine. The play tackles challenging issues related to opioid addiction in rural America and particularly in fishing communities, through the lens of Herman Melville's Captain Ahab chasing his own addiction, Moby Dick, the White Whale. The play offers the opportunity for students and adults to talk openly about the impact of addiction on Maine's communities. The reading you're about to hear was the first run-through for the students, who then participated in a public presentation that very night with Gorman and members of the North Haven community. Lights come up and music plays as Robbie, Johnny, and Therese enter and run down stage right. They are pretending that they are on a fishing boat. I have it. A halibut, we got a big halibut. Bring him in. I can't, he's too big. He's too big, Robbie. He's pulling us down. I said bring him in, Johnny. We can't, Robbie, he's too big. He's huge, he's Moby Dick. He's not Moby Dick. <laughs> it is too, Tyrese. There's, there's not, it's not a halibut. It's a great white whale. The music changes and the lights come up on Ahab's whaling boat. Position center stage perpendicular to the audience. Johnny and Therese enter the stage as adults. They observe the boat, then turn and face the audience. When do we stop being fishermen? That's that's the question I keep asking myself. When do we stop caring about just catching fish, about taking care of families and looking after ourselves? When did we become? When did it become all about this? Johnny gestures downstage left toward the hungry ghost, the woman in white hunched over herself and rocking back and forth. People drowning and drinking themselves to death, turning to drugs, all because of some captain's courageous heroic bullshit. 
Robbie emerges from the bottom of the boat. He is holding a harpoon and trembling in the depths of withdrawal from addiction. Johnny, I can't stop. Robbie, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were there. No, Johnny, don't be sorry. I had it coming. Believe me, I know I had it coming. We just don't know how to meet you, Robbie. It's got a hold of me, Therese, but it's not going to win. Robbie drops the harpoon and doubles over in pain. Johnny jumps on deck, followed by Therese. Oh, shoot, 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 shoot! You stupid, worthless! Robbie starts to beat himself up as the eye of the whale appears on the back wall of the theater or the scrim. Fidal and the Phantoms enter upstage wearing black hooded sweatshirts and carrying harpoons. Fidal is dressed somewhat ornately, ordained, or adorned with emblems of his prowess as a whale hunter. They cross the stage in single file in front of the whale's eye. Robbie, don't. Who would you ever want anything to do with you? It's no wonder Therese left you, and Johnny left you. you you're your own father left you. Don't, 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 Robbie, don't. Too bad you can't leave your own self. Thanks to playwright Michael Gorman and the North Haven Community School for sharing a short clip of their reading of Gorman's Chasing the New White Whale Harpooning Addiction. We've come to the end of today's Coastal Conversations about the North Haven Community School and its growing magnet program. If you're interested in learning more about the school or know someone who might like to apply to the magnet program, please check out their website. Just Google North Haven Community School. Thanks so much to Courtney Naliboff, theater and music teacher at North Haven Community School, for helping make today's program possible. Thanks also to the rest of the teachers and staff at the school, to playwright Michael Gorman, and most importantly, thanks to the North Haven Community School students whose insights and passions are sure to inspire many a future magnet student to join the ranks of their fabulous little school on North Haven Island in Penobscot Bay, Maine. Coastal Conversations is produced with support from the Maine Sea Grant Program at the University of Maine, bringing marine science to Maine people. Join us from 10 to 11 a.m. on the fourth Friday of each month. Our show's theme music, A Following Sea, was composed and performed by Paul Anderson. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program, and stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Natalie Springle from Maine Sea Grant, host of Coastal Conversations, wishing you a good morning.